0: You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
1: Hi folks and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode 33, the show for May 2016 and I'm your host Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a fabulous and very well geographically spread out panel. So I'm talking to you from Ireland, and then not all that far away from me, I have Gazmas in the UK. Hi, Gaz. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well,
2: thank you. Yes, I uh, did a, uh, a rugby sevens tournament yesterday, so uh, feeling relaxed now. I've had a day of rest. My legs have caught up.
1: <laughs> very good. Um a little bit further away from me then we have Chuck Joyner, somewhere in the great united states of america hi chuck
0: how are you bart good just good to uh, be here
1: you know i'm i'm very good um we've been having uncharacteristically superb weather while most of the rest of europe has been like flooded and generally awful so it's it's really weird for us to be the ones in the sun so uh, i have 71 kilometers in, of cycling in my legs today and i feel great
0: wow i'm impressed yeah
1: now, joining us from a very, very, very long way away and from tomorrow, we also have Alistair Jenks way down in New Zealand. Hi, Alistair.
3: Good morning, everybody.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> you, you're you just wide awake and having gotten up from a good night's sleep, and it's 10 p.m. for me.
3: Well, it's 9 a.m. I wouldn't sound that wide awake.
1: <laughs> well, that's not too bad. I, I, I appeared on a, a podcast run by a chap in Japan, and I had to get up to record at 7 a.m., which was not... That didn't go well for me. Um, the Phileas mm. Club podcast, by the way, if anyone wants to listen, good fun. Um, but I knew it was too early because my iPhone was still in uh, night shift. <laughs> that, you know, normally when I get up in the morning, it's not yellow anymore. It's, it's gone back to being normal, but I, it woke me up and I looked and I went, oh, look, you're still yellow. I knew I shouldn't be awake yet. Anyway, <laughs> we have a whole month's worth of Apple news to talk about. Um, although probably we'll have more to talk about next month than we do this one. But still, we have, we have stories, so we may as well get stuck into them. So um, some notable numbers. So J.D. Power do this whole customer satisfaction thing, and they have been doing it for a long time, and Apple stuff tends to do well. And even though the iPad is apparently doomed, I tell you, doomed, uh, it still topped the J.D. Power tablet customer service satisfaction survey. So. Just... Okay, Scored yes.
3: 830 versus the next one, I think 829, if I remember correctly.
2: Yes, but did you notice who the
1: next one was, Alistair?
3: Microsoft, of all places.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, but the surface is people are liking their Microsoft surfaces. Like, I, I meet them in the real world, actual human beings, and they like them. They genuinely like them.
3: I think it, maybe it's because it's a premium product, as, as is the iPad, whereas a lot of the Android stuff, not so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a full PC, right? It's running exactly what they would have had on their laptop. So if you're comparing – if you're looking at the, the Surface Pro as being a very advanced laptop, well, it, it, it does very well, uh, probably for all the reasons that a little 12-inch MacBook is loved by so many people.
0: And it's one of those things that is, is it a fair comparison. I mean, we're back to that whole thing of what is a Surface? Is it a tablet? Is it a laptop? It's obviously a combo device. So is it a fair comparison? Or should we perhaps lap uh, – lo- <laughs> should we combine MacBook satisfaction and iPad satisfaction and then balance it against? I mean, maybe I'm being an Apple apologist, but I just I, – I, I say – you know, if, I wish there was a way that you could just say, okay, for the, the, the Surface users who use it only as a tablet – then you'd have a fair comparison.
1: Well, no, I'm not sure it's necessarily fair or unfair. I mean, the question is, do the people who choose to buy it get along well with it? And the answer for both the iPad and the Surface is yes, they do. So that, you know, that is good. And I think they are very different kinds of people who buy the two devices, but the fact that they're both happy with them is good. It means the market is working.
3: Yeah, well, we could true. get into the whole discussion of define what a, what a tablet is, or let alone define what a computer is. Should my iPhone be included in this?
1: I think over time, what we discover is, I mean, laptops used to get broken down separately from desktops. And now we've decided they're all just PCs. And maybe it's about time we collapse the tablet into that, too. And then, yeah, why not the phone while we're at it? Yeah, I guess it's hard to know. But it it's to me the good the, the good takeaway is that although the Apple, you know, the iPad numbers are not making Wall Street happy, they are making actual customers happy, so that's that's good. And these are all marks out of a thousand, by the way, so eight hundred and whatever out of a thousand, which is pretty good. Any other thoughts on that? No, whether
2: happy. whether we compare Microsoft's uh, device with Apple's device or not it's it it obviously in the consumer place is being seen as something which is comparable so um, yeah I mean, if it's something which is doing the job for um, uh, windows users then at, Apple have just got to keep an eye on that and see whether you know there's an avenue which they need to go down in the future, which I think they probably are with uh, their laptops. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, it just surprised me that uh, Microsoft are in there. They're, they're you know, but you're dead right. If uh, if the people who are using their devices are quite happy with them, then why shouldn't they be there?
1: And I, I uh, think I don't think the people who bought a Surface were. I don't think the decision they made was do I go Surface or do I go iPad? I think the decision they made yeah. was do true. I go Laptop or do I go Surface? True. true, very true.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny how we're all reacting to number two and we sort of lose we're lose, this conversation. It's losing the fact that Apple's still number one.
1: Yeah, uh, but I guess maybe that's just not surprising. Maybe we're just so used to that. Oh yeah, customers are happy with Apple stuff. Great. It, it,
2: it would certainly have been bigger news if uh, Apple had dropped down a couple of points.
1: Yeah. Although if you know, yeah. one out of a thousand between the two. Even if those two numbers yeah, had been yeah. reversed, would that really have meant anything? I mean, the the margin of error has got to be more than one. <laughs> oh,
3: oh, oh! It would have done in the
2: blogosphere,
1: but uh, yes, okay, yes.
3: I am too naive. Point You're dead right. one, point one two percent.
1: Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, it would have. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, Apple is doomed. Doomed, I tell you. Doomed.
0: <laughs> you do that so well, Bart. <laughs> I do quite
1: <laughs> enjoy taking the piss. um Now, the next number I have in here is purely because I knew this was going to happen. I just want to be a little bit gloaty. So, US presidential candidate Donald Trump decided on a whim while standing on a stage in front of a whole bunch of people to boycott Apple. And I believe the exact words were used as, I just thought of that. Uh, He appears to have just thought about it and then just forgot about it because he right now owns 1.1 million of Apple stock. So, what a boycott there, Donald. Anyway, just thought that was worth mentioning that's uh, a lot of stock for someone who thinks he's boycotting. Now, legal news, there is a whole batter of patent news this month. It, a lot of it makes me sad. So, I don't I have given up on putting uh, on adding stories each month for all of the people who start lawsuits against Apple because most of them are dumb, and I, that's all we do for the whole show is just talk about lawsuits that are started. So, I've sort of restricted myself to Lawsuits that end, you know, a judgment, a settlement, that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm making an exception to my own rule here because this one just makes me slap my head off the desk. Apple are being sued by a patent holding company, i.e., someone who makes nothing, uh, because the iPhone can make calls. They think they have patented the ability to make calls.
3: So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there, is there really anything to say about this one
1: no haven't the show my, my notes, favorite, it's not april 1st just just to make that clear
3: my favorite line in here was the uh, the patent company says they presume that their their patents are valid that's a that's a great presumption to go on i e i think what they're saying with that is yeah um all logical arguments seem to sway against us but you yeah, we own them they exist so therefore we presume they must be valid
1: yeah, we'll throw some lawyers at it and see what sticks.
3: Exactly.
2: There's got, to, there's got to be more to this because presumably they've got to be suing everybody. You can make a phone. You've got a, a, a device which can make a phone call. Presumably they're going to be suing everybody unless it's something uh, fairly specific to Apple.
1: Oh, well, Apple have a very big wallet. <laughs> And that's wow. the thing that
0: that's the thing that's so annoying here. I, first of all, I I do think it's about time that we start to have a statute of limitations on on some of this stuff. And second, that you call upon the courts to say, you, let's have a summary judgment motion and get rid of this. <laughs> I mean, this this just doesn't this is wasting the court's time. It's wasting everyone's time, uh, unless you're you're right. You know, unless you're just going to sue every single manufacturer who's ever made a device that could make a phone call back from when cell phones started and you know there, there need to be some requirements or some way to hold some of these companies to account
1: yeah patent reform of some sort is badly needed because right now the system is being royally abused i mean we, we say this all the time but the whole point of patents is supposed to be to protect inventors and the concept of a patent-holding company going around making it a business model of just randomly suing people who actually make things is about a 180 degrees turned around from the point of patent, so clearly the system is not actually fulfilling its original goal at all.
3: On the other hand, the economy of East Texas is doing great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you think those jurors have a lot of sandwiches every lunchtime?
3: Well, yeah, I mean... There's, there's, they're, they're not going to have any shortage of people coming to them for business, are they?
1: I suppose. But, I mean, just because people use that court for all this patent shenanigans, does that actually bring money into the into East Texas?
3: Oh, I don't know. I'm sure the lawyers like it anyway.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess there's some very plush low offices in whatever city is that court is in. Anyway, another company that has been... Having an ongoing issue with Apple is uh, Vernet X or Vernet X, or I'm not really sure how you pronounce it, but N E T X. and they have already won a case against Apple over basically VPN-style technology, which is in uh, iMessage and FaceTime, and so they already they already won uh, six hundred twenty-five million dollars. And now they're taking it a step further, asking the court for another $190 while they're at it. Oh, yes, and an injunction, please, stopping Apple from using FaceTime or iMessage. I don't know if they're going to succeed in getting this, but that is what they are now asking the court for. And again, this seems to be patenting the blatantly bloody obvious, but that's just my opinion.
3: The thing that struck me about this story when I read it this morning was... They've, they've, you know, they've, they've gone after Apple.
1: Mm-hmm. They've
3: won, mm-hmm. and now they're saying, "Oh, oh, oh, hang on, we've actually made some headway here. Well, let, let's let's try and milk this for all we can." Yeah, and will... if, if your, if, you're, if you're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If your crusade, if your cause, is so just and right, why wouldn't you throw everything at it at the start? Hmm. It, it seems specious to me that that you know. You get in there and you win something, and you think, "Oh, hang on, I should have placed a bigger bet. Let's wind the clock back and and raise the bet because I could win better this time."
1: And one presumes the the request for an injunction is a bargaining chip.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's all the appeals and you know, different courts that they go through and all that kind of palaver still to go on, I suppose. But it just it just struck me that you've won something well, you should have set out to win what you thought was, was rightfully yours and not just keep changing the game.
1: Yeah.
0: And from the bargaining chip standpoint, it does feel like now we're making extra demands. And, oh, by the way, if you'll just pay us more money, then we'll we'll cut out some of those demands. Is that, you know,
1: really? <laughs> well, where does that end? Because if you agree, then we'll exactly. put yeah. it up again.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I thought, and I thought the
2: courts took a view on that as well, you know. But maybe they don't. But I thought, you know, if you you start going down that process, then you can actually lose out on your first claim in the first place. So, or not completely, but it can be changed. So,
0: perhaps that doesn't happen over there. Yeah. I wish it would.
1: <laughs> now we we can switch. I, I I put the stories in this order so I could end all the patent shenanigans on a good on a good story or a good news story. So a three-judge panel... So there was another judgment against Apple, this time for $533 million to a company called Smartfish, who, again, is just one of these random patent holders. And they basically said that I, the iTunes store was, was theirs, basically, in terms of patents. And uh, a three-judge panel at the patent agency found that two of these patents should never have been issued in the first place because the idea of storing and paying for data is an abstract concept, not a specific invention... Uh, and in March, the agency said the same thing, about a third Smart smart Flash patent. So basically, three patents have fallen by the wayside because the court has basically said, do you know something, this actually was never patented in the first place. Now, the fact that three patents can exist and can be used to get hundreds of millions of dollars out of people shows that maybe the patent system is, is a little bit broken. because how do these three patents get issued? On the other hand, there's now three less toxic patents
0: so maybe the system yeah. works a little bit?
1: But that sounds like it. I imagine if you were not Apple. <laughs> That's enough to put any small company out of business, enough to make you just have to pay off these people.
3: And, and again, the thing about this story is it was the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office that invalidated their own patents. If this doesn't say that there's something wrong with the system, you know, you know the the body which is granting all these patents is then revoking them hello, you know, yeah. um, somebody needs to look at the, the input process and, and not sort of be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff.
0: That is actually true. Is, there a, is there a problem with, though, going back and reexamining things based on today's knowledge and today's trends? I mean, back, back when that was, back then, maybe it was a novel idea.
1: Right, but I mean, no, not, ideas aren't patentable. An actual invention is patentable. So an abstract – you can't just have an idea. I have an idea for a car that can drive under water. That's not a patent. That's just an okay, abstract just, idea.
0: So that may have been a, a poor choice of words on my part, Bart. But I, I guess I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what was there, was there legal precedent at that time to say that this was not uh, a, a patentable idea?
1: I think uh, a bigger issue is backlogs that basically the Patent and Trademark Office have been under pressure for many years with massive backlogs where you apply for a patent and five or six years later it finally gets granted. And I think one way that, to deal with those backlogs is to just not look so carefully. Well, I that's, that's, that's certainly issue. possible. Yeah. Anyway, that's, uh, that's where we stand in uh, all things patenty. Any final thoughts before we leave patents aside?
2: Go away, patents. No, no, no. no, no, that's, no. That's, that's not, I, know, I know that's not the answer, but it, it does. The, uh, you'll be reporting on this for the next thousand years. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, yeah, yeah. you'll be reporting on that a long, long time. And I always like the way that you succinctly put them all together, Bart. So, but they do seem to be getting bigger numbers, um, not only in numbers of um, requests, but also bigger numbers, which are being... Um, uh, yeah. Amounts which are being asked for and won or not or
1: declined. Yeah, because the last two stories together is over a billion dollars. Which is quite impressive, I guess. Uh, one thing I will say, right, obviously you can't get rid of patents. That would be a disaster because it means that only large companies could, could invent things. Yeah. Uh, but software idea patents, that, that probably is, should go away. And they do not exist in Europe. They are a, U, a US innovation and uh, one hopes they may someday become an uninnovation, innovation And uh, one hopes they never spread over here.
0: But, but that goes back to what I was saying before, that should, you say they should go away. Does that mean that then everything that's been, up, they've been applied to up to this point become invalidated? Yeah.
1: So, whoops, that was Whoa. a mistake. Undo. Control Z. Wow. <laughs>
0: really? Okay. Yeah. You still have saying copyright law, right? A
1: good idea like you, you ju- if you take away patents on software ideas, it doesn't mean that suddenly everyone can just copy everyone's stuff because there's still copyright law and all sorts of other laws around to protect your i p It's just this notion of having a patent on an idea like er- in Europe, you can only patent a thing you can't patent a thought, but in America you can patent a thought which which is well, it's proved to be very retrograde, right? That's why we have all of these billion-dollar amounts going around. And it's, it's an awful drain on corporations.
0: I, I agree on the awful, awful drain. And, it, you know, that's, it's an interesting way to look at it, I guess, it, speaking from the American standpoint that, uh, I mean, you, you, I, I can, if I make the thing from the idea, that I can put a patent on. But if I just have the idea then I can't, can't patent that or but patent getting, if I pa- go use your
1: patent, word. Patent, patent. Yeah, I'm not sure which is which. Yeah. I'm forgetting which side of the Atlantic is which word <laughs> or which pronunciation. But if you make something as a company, it's protected by copyright, trade, dress, all these things. So it's not as if the patent is what's stopping people just ripping you off. Whereas if you invent some kind of machine... Well, the patent is actually a very important part of your thing because it's not a piece of code, it's a thing.
0: Fair point. I just don't tell anybody about my thing before I make
1: it. Well, but if it's a thing, you can patent it before you make it. And you should, because otherwise you're in trouble. You can't go to a factory and say, manufacture me a million of these things and then I'll patent it. Because at that stage, it'll be too late. Uh, yeah, you hand handed exactly. the blueprints, you get it patented, and then you, you get it manufactured. Like, if you ever watch Dragon's Den or any of these shows, the first thing they'll ask is, and you have a patent on that? Because otherwise mm-hmm. what you have is something worthless. But things and software are not the same. If, excuse the word, the reuse of the word thing. Hmm. A widget is not the same as, as... Well, I suppose we have software widgets. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Let's move into the main stories. Um, the first story is sort of a pseudo, is is a sort of a meta story, I guess, a sort of a collection of stories mushed together. But um, basically, it's all things India and China. Tim Cook spent a lot of his time this month physically in that part of the world. And even while Tim Cook wasn't physically there, those parts of the world were featuring very heavily in Apple News. So I'm just going to start with a rundown of the stories and then we can jump back and look in more detail. So Apple have announced a software lab for Bengaluru. Uh, Tim met with Indian cell phone carriers. Apple opens a map development centre in Hyderabad. 4,000 jobs there. Uh, In an interview with Indian Media, Tim Cook says Apple are in India for the next 1,000 years, which is impressive. Uh, Tim Cook met with the Indian Prime Minister uh, Modi. Apple released an update to GarageBand with Chinese instruments. Tim Cook then jammed with Chinese musician JJ Ling or Lin. Uh, Apple unfortunately failed to get a waiver on the 30% local sourcing rule in India. That's one we're definitely going to get back to in a minute. Um, in a meeting with Tim Cook, Chinese regulators stressed the importance of security. And finally, Apple invests $1 billion in Didi, which is sort of a China-style Uber thingy. So they're all related to me, all those stories. So uh, I guess we should jump into these one country at a time. So maybe, maybe you start with, with Apple in India. What
3: are people's thoughts? Very, very interesting, I thought. Um, there's lots of analysis and well, in, in various of these stories about why Apple is doing these things, you know, particularly the, the Didi uh, investment. But you've got to imagine that uh, what's the population of India? A billion or something like that?
1: Hang on, let's see what the Wikipedia has to say on the matter.
3: Wiki. It's, it's a it's a big country, right? There's a lot of people there.
1: Yeah, Wikipedia. well, yeah, that I can say for
3: sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if you're selling in something like a hundred and something countries, why wouldn't you pay a lot of attention to the the biggest markets? And you know, Steve Jobs always said, you know, we, let's not worry about the share price, let's not worry about the money, let's just build great things. And I get the feeling that um, they're they're in—I mean, already in China um, to a large extent, uh, and more so in the last couple of years from a selling point of view. Um, But China and India—massive, massive massive chunks of the globe. Hmm. uh, Both of them, you know, developing at an incredible pace, far outpacing you know traditional Western economies. And why wouldn't you be there for, for all reasons? You know, just get in there and be involved because if you limit yourself to the United States, I think you've, you've sort of not set your sights very high and this is a giant company. So if they can, they should.
1: Yeah, so population of India as of, the, as of 2015, approximately 1.3 billion with a B. So a 1% market share is far, far, far from worthless. And yeah. of course, if you double it to two, great. You know.
0: And if, if I remember correctly, uh, Apple's Apple's mindshare was not all that great in India either. No. It, it's not like they were super recognizable. So there, there's a lot of opportunity there, and it's probably worth them making some investments. And I, I love the fact though that they are doing some of the the uh, the Maps Development Center and that kind of thing. So they're making investments in the country as well meaning they're just not viewing it as a market that they have to conquer by plastering ads everywhere, but they're going to participate in things a little bit. And, and that leads to a better understanding for them of that market as well.
1: Okay, this is a surprise to me. I've always assumed that China was way bigger than India. 0. 0.1 of a billion is the difference between those two countries.
3: Wow. Yeah, they're, they're packed in a little tighter in India because, of course, China's land area is much yeah. larger. Huge.
1: Although India, I guess, being a subcontinent is not exactly small either. But yeah, China looks way bigger on the globe. So that's okay. So there yeah. 1.3 billion in one country, 1.4 billion in the other country. That's a lot of people.
3: Well, uh, it's what, two, two th- sevenths of the world population or something like that? Yeah,
1: it's it's
2: more than. It's, yeah. It, 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 it's about the growth, though, isn't it? It's about the wealth of the com- of the country. Um, because you, you can have a country with a lot of people in it you can have a continent with a lot of people in it but if, if there's no wealth there they're not going to buy you, your products especially when you, your products cost quite a bit of money and I think India at the moment is starting to outpace if it isn't outpacing uh, China's growth um, and it looks like uh, India at the moment is going to be the country to be in certainly for the next few years uh, and obviously for the long term because they'll they'll want to continue that growth themselves
1: it, it's interesting that he chose to meet the carriers because the problem uh, an, an issue with Apple's growth in India has been the complete dearth of 4G and stuff like that in the country. It just didn't exist. And now the carriers are getting caught up on all that. And so you're going to have a country with an awful lot of people with raising incomes and a good mobile broadband network. Well, that sounds like the kind of place Apple could do well. Uh, there is uh, India, though, is is very, very big on this idea that you need to be... You can't just come and sell your stuff in their country. They want you to invest more heavily. Ideally, they'd like you to manufacture in India, but uh, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be manufacturing. So I don't think there is any sort of coincidence that Apple are trying their best to get permission to open Apple stores from the government, and at the same time are announcing a thousand jobs here and a thousand jobs there. You know, or four thousand jobs there in Hyderabad. I don't think any of that's coincidence. What what I am surprised at is after meeting the Prime Minister, after announcing all of these things, and just, you know, a few days after Tim got home, the news dropped that Apple had been denied their waiver on the 30% local sourcing rule, which means that as of right now, no Apple stores permitted in India.
3: Yeah, the way I read that was it hasn't actually been denied, but they're they're asking questions before, you know, considering whether to approve it or not. Because... This is the bit that I've, I've, I find intriguing. That what they're saying, I think it's the, the finance ministry hmm. uh, in India is saying, "It's not high tech. Apple stuff's not high tech." Which and is a bizarre
1: I, I, thing to say.
3: Well, but is it? I mean, it's it's not bleeding edge. Um, you know, super inventive. Uh, what's what's the other word I'm trying to think of? Um, that, that's revolutionary nice... stuff.
2: That's a fair point, Alistair. Actually, it's a, you've hit on a great point there. Because what they could turn around and say is, well, you can build your factory here, but then equally, you can then close it down and build it somewhere else. If it's just, as you're indicating, Alistair, I think you are that, that yeah. this is, but stuff which, it's not, you know, it's not absolute bleeding edge, and that they want to be on the bleeding edge.
3: Now, if you're coming in and, and you know, doing new battery technologies, and and you know consumer reusable spacecraft and things that don't exist that, you know, people have been shooting for but haven't yet achieved, that to me is high tech, um, you know, or, you know, inventing other useful technologies. But although, I mean, you, can, no, you could okay, say Apple invented uh, the smartphone industry, but it's, that's just an evolution of what we already have. And now we, we haven't been revolutionary since 2007 on the phone front.
1: Okay, but hang on, though, because this is a rule for people who want to open their own branded stores. So this is not yeah. for people inventing, you know, for people at the bleeding edge, because they're not selling anything. They don't have stores. There's no store where you can go out and buy the new vacuum train that What's-His-Face is working on. So you, you've got to yeah. put cutting edge in, in the context of cutting edge stuff being sold. Well, and I don't see how Apple doesn't fall into that category. I mean, who... Wow. What other shops what are there a, selling more cutting-edge stuff?
3: A Tesla dealership.
1: Is Tesla Arguably. more cutting-edge than Apple?
3: How many uh, consumer-friendly, practical, electric, high-performance cars are there in the world? Not many.
1: Yeah. I, I think you know, being at the, the top end of the tablet and, self- and mobile phone market is truly high-tech.
3: Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's all down to definitions. And and, and mm. I do agree that in the context of, you know, um company branded stores, it does seem a little far fetched to be demanding, you know, space flight and stuff like that. Yeah. But the phrase the phrase high tech could, you know, if if you go into, you know, parts of the interior of Africa, high tech could be a television. So it, yeah, we, we don't know the context in which they um, framed that and we also don't know the context in which this finance ministry are considering it because, you know, as we all know from the patent discussions, the, the uh, frame of mind that people get into can vary rather widely.
1: Well, I have – my suspicion is that the part of the frame of mind is protectionism. Is it could well be. Local companies are absolutely scared that if Apple come in, they will have them for lunch. An interesting theory that I I have noted in the show notes that I thought was worth discussing is that there may be a solution to Apple's problems in India, which has been described as the McDonald's solution. Franchise it out. Get a a local company to be Apple in India.
3: Well, aside from the size of the market, that's not new for Apple. Uh, Do you have, for example, Apple-branded points of sale in Ireland? we certainly do in new zealand and they're not apple owned
1: we apple, apple branded as a, we have it, official resellers if that counts but that's yeah get. Have, have, no yeah
3: they're not sorry they're not branded as apple but um which, which may be a difference but the point is that there are many countries in the world where apple stores do not exist and yet apple sells a ton of kit
1: yeah, okay. Well, Ireland is definitely one of those. We have zero Apple stores and they certainly sell a lot of stuff, but they sell most of that stuff through Apple.com.
3: Hey, arguably. But, you know, there's, there's a shop uh, in, in downtown Wellington that that's, you know, people know is that's where you go for the Apple stuff. Uh, and it's a local retailer uh, who aren't actually doing terribly well. But, you know, it, there's Apple logos in the window and there's Apple gear there and that's where you go to buy Apple. Everybody knows that that's Apple's. Um, position in the country Um, and even the online is I think the total Apple staff in New Zealand is like three or five or something like that most of our stuff comes um, through an Australian operation Mm -hmm. Um, so but yeah it's 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 not a wildly new concept that you know Apple will sell their stuff through through other parties what may be wildly different is that they brand it but then again Generally speaking, in in commercial retail, that's not unusual either. For example, you know, name a fast food chain; they're almost all franchises here.
1: Yes, because it's just so much easier to have someone else be your shop. But franchising seems contrary to Apple's character of control. Yes,
3: definitely. unless they're forced to.
1: Yeah, I guess if you're yeah. Well, I I think I think what
2: India are doing here, it's just it, it's going back to the uh, the legal positions. They're, they're they're positioning themselves. They can and obviously try and negotiate the best uh, deal they possibly can for the country.
1: Oops, I took a bad moment to have a drink there.
0: Well, and it also, I, I think that's a great point because I think that I'm not sure who perceives they who needs who. I don't know if in India apparently does not perceive that they necessarily need Apple. Does Apple need India? And so, if if you take if if that's if that's their attitude, then they're going to try to leverage it as much as they can. And if Apple feels like it really needs the the India market, then you know they're going to capitulate a little bit more than they might say for Oklahoma. So,
1: yeah, and Apple have struck deals with American state governments as well. And since yes. Apple struck a pretty good deal with the Irish government. Now that I think about it um ireland certainly has done well out of its negotiations with large multinational companies it's all about positioning yeah as i say it's an interesting one to watch develop and it was certainly one of the overriding features of this month's news was you know Tim tim cook tim cook tim cook and he was basically in india and china The next big st- Well, I think it's a relatively big story. Uh, maybe it's another case of I told you so. But uh, the Merchants Exchange MCX have yet again postponed the launch of currency, which they are just so sure is going to completely wipe Apple Pay's bottom. Uh, they've pushed the launch back, and they've also laid off 30 employees. Now, a lot of people are interpreting this as it's did. It's, it's never going to happen. I, I don't know how true that is, because I don't have a time machine officially it is postponed but they have laid off 30 employees
3: are we surprised
1: no (laughs) no 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 um john gruber i also have a link in the show notes john gruber has a very funny translation from pr speak to english of the announcement which is always worth looking at
3: funny because it's true
1: Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, this this whole thing was always going to be customer hostile. It was going to be spying on you. If there was fraud, it was your problem, not theirs, compared to Apple Pay, which is basically like a credit card. In fact, it is credit cards, really. Um, So it's much more in, you know, your privacy is being protected, and you are much more protected from fraud with Apple Pay than you would have been with um, MCX, our currency. So it's probably, I don't think anyone is mourning this. I don't think anyone was particularly excited about it. Um, the next thing I have down here that we should probably talk about is Google I.O. Because the, while this is not a Google podcast, what Google do certainly has intersections with Apple's world. And, of course, Google I.O. is the equivalent of WWDC in the sense that it's very much their you know, nerd developer type conference. And Apple's nerd developer type conference is just a week away, pretty much, as we record this. So, obviously, people are going to be watching what Google are up to, and the question will be, are Apple going to have answers to these things? So, from sort of an Apple-watching point of view, um, what's interesting to note is that Google now has become Google Assistant, and Google Assistant is sort of going to be, I guess, their version of Siri. Um, They've already had this kind of functionality, uh, but now it's sort of been rebranded as Google Assistant, which is probably a very sensible name for it, and it's going to be sort of everywhere, including something called Google Home. Which is sort of an Amazon Echo-like contraption, which will allow you to broadcast your Google Assistant sort of, you know, as a as a an ethereal presence within your home. And then there's also a chat, a cross-platform messaging app, which is going to be launched simultaneously on iOS and Android called Allo. And Probably one of the more controversial things is that um, Google's assistant will be listening in by default on all of your conversations. Now, if you would like Google not to listen in, you can enable incognito mode, and then it will butt out. But by default, it will be there. And then there's also a contraption called Duo, which is basically a FaceTime competitor. But again, simultaneous iOS and Android releases, which is noteworthy, I think. So, how do people feel about where Google is headed?
0: I'll jump in. It, yeah. It feels but... like it feels like there's a lot of Me Too stuff here. You know, I, that's I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that you didn't see something a little more out of the box. And, and if if you ask me what that would have been, I have no idea. But it just it just feels like so many of these things, so many companies are just doing Me Too stuff. And and I mean, when, when Google came out with uh, the Echo, that was, excuse me, when Amazon mm-hmm. came out with the Echo, you know, that was first, really the first thing yeah. that we've seen exactly like that. And so I was a little disappointed. There's the inevitable discussion of who do you trust to listen to or pay attention to all of your information? Do you trust Amazon more than Google? Do you trust Apple more than Amazon? Um, and and I, I guess I just feel like they're. They're places that, if Google would come out and just say, "Look, we recognize that there're going to be some privacy compromises here by using our products, but look what you're going to get in in return because that that's always the underlying theme here for me is that to get the convenience that I want, I've got to give up some of the privacy
1: what well, do I can plenty.
0: do you? Well, i can I can have plenty of privacy all I have to do is unplug all my devices, you know, start using you know the, the postal mail again, and Never touch email
1: okay, but they'll have loads of privacy, but the it 's always set up as a dichotomy, right? Apple are doomed because they 're not going to spy on you like Google does, but I really don't buy that because your phone has all of the information you need to be a clever digital assistant for you. it doesn't have to go to a cloud for that to happen. that can happen on your phone, and as long as the stuff isn't leaving your phone having Siri or whatever you call it, looking at it is not actually a privacy invasion thing because it's a local app that's saying locally on your device and is helping you on your behalf. So I really, really don't buy it that Siri is doomed because they're not shoving everything you do up to a cloud. Now, my thoughts on the Amazon Echo is, who is it working for? It's sitting in your house with an always-on microphone, and who is it working for? Well, it's sort of the equivalent of, in the real world, if an agency said, we're going to give you a free butler who's going to do what you tell him, but actually he works for us. So really, the Echo is working for Google, but Google or not for Amazon. I've done it too now. Working for Amazon, but Amazon have asked him to help you out. or her yeah, Can I, can I just
2: make a point here? Amazon sell. Uh, I think in 2015, they had in, uh, Amazon.com had 433 million products available. That's mm-hmm. who it's working
1: for. Oh, yeah. And you can buy stuff by just saying, reorder, blah, and it will just buy stuff. It uh, also doesn't have any sort of authentication, so you can walk into people's houses and just get their Alexa to go buy things.
2: Yeah, but they can they can fix that, and they, they, they'd get that sorted. I don't think that's the issue. a Chuck's mm. point, is is absolutely valid um, that it's it's me too, me too. They're oh, yeah. improving. Yeah. They're, they're improving on those products, and that's exactly probably what you're going to be. Oh. Your next month's um, let's talk Apple is probably going to be full of stuff coming out of uh, WW. Um D C.
1: Okay, but are they improving, right? Because well Amazon's Echo has a concept of having multiple echoes within the same house cooperating with each other. Google were asked, can Google Home do that? And they said, Well actually no, not yet. So it's not even not a Me yet. Too yet. Not yet. Yeah. They just that, haven't gotten yeah. that far with it yet. Yeah, but they're they're behind even playing Me Too.
0: Well, that's oh, that may be the case. Or they Pat may this- we
2: go back to pattern fights then, wouldn't we? I mean, that's we're probably having to get around that. So. Oh, please, please, let's not go
1: back.
3: <laughs> the, the thing about um, the improvement of, of the, these types of services, and, and by the way, Bart, I think that using the data on your phone could certainly improve what Siri is capable of today, but I think federating that with everybody else's information just in terms of if you go to a location and it knows you like pizza, that's fine, but wouldn't it be more useful if it knew the, all the pizza places that everybody else liked to make a better suggestion?
1: But, hey, but Apple can do that without invading your privacy too because there are services for that already. Like, yeah, which Siri is already tapping into. Yeah, true.
3: true. Um, but in terms of improving services, I've been listening to um, numerous podcasts lately that have been raving about Google Photos and how amazing it's... Um, intelligent metadata is that, you know, you Mm. can just upload all your photos with no real metadata on them and then you can say, you know, examples I've heard, search for hugs and you get photos (laughs) of people hugging and I'm thinking that's actually pretty nifty and while I, uh, it's well documented that I keyword the heck out of a Mm. lot of my photos, I don't keyword the heck out of all of them and certainly not the ones that I take with my iPhone and so I thought I'll give this a try because these people are raving about it, saying how amazing this algorithm is. Mm-hmm. And I uploaded just my uh, iCloud photo library, uh, which took a couple of days. It went pretty well, and then I tried some test searches. And I said, I don't know, search for cats, 300 pictures yeah. of pictures of cats, and nothing but cats. Impressive, you know, including mm. everything from a a cat upside down, splayed, you know, fluffy <laughs> ball to a, a tiny cat face in a window. Not bad. But here's what I found. When you go outside the script, and this is very much like Siri. You know, Siri seems amazing if you script the demo, but then you start asking it certain things, and it seems like it's...
1: Yeah, you're off to gone, yeah.
3: Yeah. So... <laughs> I tried searching for aircraft. Now, this is my library after all. There would be quite a few, not <laughs> you bad, imagine, a few yeah. trains and a fire engine, but the fire engine was at an airport. And, you know, for example, I, d- I reckon that when I searched for trains, it had some shots taken out of a train window, and I thought, that's interesting. And then I thought, hang on, this photo is geotagged and it will be on a railway line. Yeah, That's all cool and clever. And then I searched for cars. Now, I thought this was a pretty basic test. Guess what? It's not on their script. Here's what I got. I blogged this. Aircraft, a harbour sunrise, other harbour vistas, boats, ships, architecture, a kitchen cupboards contents, a train ticket, bicycles, a coffee machine, a tangle of cords, trains, airports, yachts, a store candy display, a footpath sign advertising pies, birds, creepy sculptures, a busker, selfies, a cat, a half-built gazebo, and a house. And it missed some pretty obvious car shots. That's what happens when you go off script. This technology is not advancing in leaps and bounds. What they are doing is they are achieving specific goals, and that's what they're selling. And Apple and Google both do it. Siri demos are perhaps the the pinnacle of making it look brilliant. And then when you try it, yeah, it's less than spectacular.
0: Alistair, did you? I'm, a serious question. Did you also get uh, any shots of the band cars? <laughs>
3: Uh, no, actually I should have, I should have slipped in an album cover just to test it, shouldn't I?
0: Just, yeah, just absolutely curious because that would, that would seem to be something that would obviously be tagged that way.
3: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Uh,
3: Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a particularly wide gamut, I thought. So, you know, it was interesting in the fact that it just lost the plot on that particular term. Um, but the other thing, too, is that the reason I deleted them all is because I found that uh, Apple's photo service doesn't actually delete photos sometimes. Oops.
1: Hmm. Um, something else, So, so I, I think we've done the Echo Me Too pretty well there. Um, so what about Allo and Duo? Um, and something I particularly think is worth mentioning is the very strong privacy trade-off here, where by default this service is listening in on everything you say. Now, the intention is, oh, well, that way we can help you. But okay, you now have everything we can say. So that's pretty darn good for being subpoenaed. Uh, and this notion that you need to use something called incognito mode with a picture of a guy who looks like a burglar as a sort of icon, that's sort of basically saying if you like privacy and encryption, you're a criminal. And I'm really, really, really not with Google on this.
0: Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about it exactly that way.
1: And it's also the journey of the default, right? So by making the default be we're going to listen to everything, Google are basically going to be listening to everything because very few people are going to use the Google products and enable incognito mode every single time. Because you, can't say that every, you can't say every conversation of mine will be incognito. You have to actually, every time you start a conversation, flip it into incognito mode.
0: But isn't that becoming a trademark of Google? Uh, whether it's a good trademark or not, I don't know. But they're scanning your email. If you use Gmail, they're they're scanning your all your email, and they make no bones about it.
1: Yeah, it, it's and, their business and, model, and I yeah yeah. Um, so I guess I, the, the key point to make is that Apple's business model is very different. So Allo is going to be a very different competitor to iMessage because. Instead of it being focused on your privacy, it's focused on being a data hoover for Google to sell to their actual customers, which is not you
2: yeah that's uh, we did the the myMap podcast earlier today, and guy had a middle section which uh, basically we talked about when did we become uh, the product rather than the consumer
1: uh, the moment Facebook launched, and we all went oh okay we'll say we'll give all of our stuff to this company and we'll pay them nothing. this is brilliant yeah and uh,
2: you see the thing is uh, Bart, I had the conversation with with Guy around the fact that with, it's been happening a long time in the UK, and I'm sure it's been happening in the other countries as well, with the supermarkets when it comes to your groceries. They've been you know, mm. peeling this data off for many, many years and obviously um, digging it, mining it, and using it, and that's great. And I'm, I'm, there are people out there that are perfectly happy with that, and I don't have a problem with that. If that's the way they want to go. That's great. But what they've got to remember is it gets to a point where they need a bit more gets to a point where they need a bit more it gets to a point where they have to start aiming products at you that they're making a little bit more margin on because they're not making as much money as they did before because everybody's now got that same data and it creeps and it creeps and it creeps and people have just got to be aware of that
1: well wasn't it walmart who famously told someone that their daughter was pregnant based solely on her purchasing habits uh, was it Walmart? They it was an American thing. store anyway. I, thought it was Target. I think it was Target. Oh, yes, sorry. Apologies, you're right. It was the guys with the credit card breach. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, that's what they are very, to me.
3: Very that's, subtle. That's characters. not narrowing it down much. But... Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, the guys with the first uber mega giganto, unbelievably astounding credit card breach, they were first. <laughs> <laughs> not a good first, but first.
3: Hashtag First.
0: OK. Um, so so, so, so Bart, before you go on, what what is your what is your feeling about the the uh, the the, uh, the Google always listening in exchange for the information? Uh, are you are you becoming their product or are you willing to get, be their product to get the convenience that you want? Because
1: I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, thinking about right. personally, okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm, and I'm, I'm delighted thinking that something. Apple exists. So I. I don't have to hum-and-ho about it. I was like, oh, how terrible. You know, Google shouldn't exist. Yeah, they can exist if they want to, and people can use them if they want to. Thank goodness Apple are there to give me an alternative, and I choose to be the customer.
0: Well, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm asking because Gaz said something interesting that got me to thinking. I used to have a credit card that at the end of the year would give me a statement about what I had spent in various categories. Groceries, gasoline, travel, uh, electronics, you know, retail, <laughs> more. you know, and, and so, so you're, it's, it's, it's out there and anybody that has access to any of this is going to manipulate it. Now, exactly what the benefit I was supposed to be getting out of that, I, I never did exactly determine, but it, it showed that they were paying attention. And Ooh. so as a result, maybe they were steering special offers to me that because I was buying more electronics or because I traveled more than, you know, their, their, their average credit card holder. So, you know, is that
1: –
0: this has been going on for a while. Okay, is, but is you're still the bank's view?
1: customer, right? So one would assume that the bank is doing that as a service to you so that you wouldn't go to a different bank rather than the – guy I don't think your bank advertises at you.
0: Yeah, but isn't that exactly what Google is saying? We're, we're doing this for you to help you?
1: Okay, but the price you're paying – so the price you pay your bank is your banking fees. The price you pay Google is your privacy because Google then sell effectively – see, they sell you on to their advertisers who actually pay their bills. So the relationship you have with your bank is more analogous to the relationship you have with Apple, where you pay them money and they give you something, whereas you never pay. You never pay Google, in money. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't pay Google in money, but I, but Google is delivering. Let's use yeah. the travel example. If Google is sending me travel travel deals that I would not otherwise see, are they are they selling me to their advertisers, or are they saying to the advertisers? We can we can help you contact people that are really interested in your product and saying to me as the the, the individual, hey, we're only going to send you stuff that you're really interested in. I, I, I find myself in the uncomfortable position of arguing for Google, and that's that's not why why I want to do this. No, it's but just I'm exist, trying to
1: right. It, it's basically there's no such thing as a free lunch. You 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 always pay. So you either pay in dollars or euros or pounds, or you pay with privacy, and. You as, you as a consumer get to choose which you think is the most appropriate. I don't think this is worth money, so fine. Sell me to your advertisers. Give me free email account with five, ter- five gigabytes or whatever it is. Five terabytes probably at this stage that Google are giving away for free. It's a really valid customer choice to choose to pay with your privacy instead of with your wallet. And I'm just delighted that both choices exist, that we haven't been forced into one business model because that would be horrible.
0: Agreed, and that's the first time I've heard you say that it's a va- that paying with your privacy is a valid choice.
1: Okay, I've on Alison's show a lot. My, my 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 motto is follow the money. Um,
0: well, fo- follow the money, but but just the the concept that it's okay. Right now, we all are adapting this idea that oh my god, privacy, 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 and some people. And that doesn't necessarily mean me, by the way, but some <laughs> people are quite content to give up varying degrees of privacy for varying degrees of convenience yep. or reward.
2: So- well, my, my, my concern there is the fact that if we're not careful, though, and if they're not careful and they're blasé about that, they're not only giving their privacy away, they could well be doing things which gives your privacy away. Or you, when I say you, I mean somebody who perhaps wants to keep um, in the other camp. Uh, and that's the only thing, you know, this this drip, drip, drip could start affecting people around those people who are giving that drip, 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 and I'm quite happy to do that. Uh,
1: something have two other things I want to throw into the mix here. So the first is uh, an issue I have had for a long time with the business model of giving out your privacy is that companies have not, now Google actually, in credit to them, have always been very open about this. Google's terms of service have said, we read your email and we use it to target advertising at you. But... Other companies have not been as forthcoming and that, that that's what the deal is. And so I, I think it has to be informed consent. People have to know that they're giving up their privacy in exchange for the mm, product. So absolutely. I have an issue with that. Uh, and I can't remember my second point, but I'm sure it was really important.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think you're absolutely, right, absolutely correct, and, and Gaz, your point is absolutely well taken. It's just that I, I see people I've, – I've used this example a million times – that they, they will give away their privacy to a restaurant chain for a free dessert. <laughs> because they they will give them their email address and oh yes yes I'll definitely sign up give me give me the free chocolate cake and bang you know now that's that's out and that company is going to sell that email address to this company and to the other company and to the third company and pretty soon the privacy is gone so there're a lot of th- a lot of things you have to think about when you're and doing I, that
2: and can I say I do exactly the same but here's my tip I've set a specific a specific email and I've even got a specific phone number which I can give for that information.
1: I'm reminded there there was a great California sorry guys.
2: I was just going to say but that's obviously probably the minority.
1: There there was, I don't think they still exist anymore, there was a Canadian sort of parody band that just made joke songs, uh, Three Dead Trolls in a Baggy and they have a song I think called the Privacy Song, the chorus to which is Lie 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 Baby Lie and it's just about, you know, Walmart think I'm a 32-year-old granny and uh, this so-and-so think I'm something else. And the whole song is just about basically just lie to them all. Yeah. And I just remembered what my, first, my second point was last time around. Um, I think a company that I really, th- this idea of hoovering up People's privacy who are not actually even your users. I think Facebook are very guilty of that. Uh, They have decided to admit the fact that the like button is tracking everyone, not just Facebook users. So that's now out in the open. Everyone has known that for quite some time, but they've now admitted to that. And also this notion that even though I I am explicitly not a Facebook user, I have made a very explicit choice. You can still tag me in photographs and it's still keeping track of all the photographs of me. Well, I never gave my bloody permission for that. Like, just last week, I had a whole bunch of people telling me there was a photograph of me from my college days with long curly hair that everyone was having a good chuckle at on Facebook. I'm sorry, I never gave Facebook permission to tag that as me. How dare they? So anyway.
3: Well, yeah, definition of tagging. Uh, If somebody writes your name somewhere on a website, is that tagging?
1: Well, yeah, but they also have this facial recognition thing built in, so are they then going to start suggesting the things that people are me?
3: Yeah. My photos library has got facial recognition, so if I had photos of you and I tell it one time that's Bart, And right, it's tagging you forever more.
1: Yeah, but not to anyone but you, and they're your photos. It's no, very it different when you make them, them. them one big pool, and you make it public, and you have everyone sharing these around. It's a different kettle of fish, like, and... I, you know I have chosen not to be a Facebook user, but Facebook don't give a flying fig about that fact.
3: Yeah, this just uh, points. To, sorry, Alistair. I was just going to say it's for me. Um, it comes out in, in discussions I've heard on recent podcasts. I think one of the Real AFM podcasts they're talking about. It's a trade-off between um, privacy and convenience, and it, it's. Not been clearer to me than recently. About two and a half, three years ago, I decided had enough with Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm getting out. Um, and admittedly, I kept it going my account for Google Plus because I was getting a lot of value out of that, and I, wow. I still am. But I abandoned the email. I abandoned you know contacts, calendars, all that stuff. Um, I don't use. Um, I don't sign into my Google account when I'm browsing the web or anything like that. And then a couple of months ago, I thought, screw this, and I'm back using Gmail, and I've forwarded all my other accounts, including iCloud, to my Gmail account. And the simple reason is that I've had enough of all the other email services and all the other email clients, and the Gmail web interface is what works for me. And so, to heck with my privacy.
1: Yeah, but you've made an informed decision, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is the key point.
0: Okay. I, I feel. I, I feel like this. Uh, there, there's. We're almost going to have to go back and start to redefine privacy, as and and what it means in the in the era of facial recognition software. Um, Bart, I'm thinking about pictures that were probably taken of you as as a, a kid in grade school, and hmm. those you you may or may not be comfortable with those. But, well, I don't know about you, but here in the States, at least when I grew up, you know, there were plenty of times when certain pictures of, of high school classes would get published in the local paper. And some of the time, and probably a lot of the time, the you know, the individual students pictured would be named. Yeah. And so those are out there. They were tagged in, in that world, but nobody ever – Never presumed that you might be able to go online from Ireland and see a picture of me in fifth grade. Why you would want to is another matter, but the idea that you know, so is that is that a violation of my privacy, or is it just a, a, a natural progression of where things are going now with the technology? And do we need new defin, definitions and new rules?
1: I I think the issue. I think the biggest issue is not... I mean, privacy isn't a binary thing. To to me, privacy is about control. And it's not about not sharing. And it, it, it's not about keeping everything secret. It's about you having control over what is and isn't private. And a lot of companies are taking that control away for the purposes of making profit. And, you're yeah, we need to reconsider it as a society, how we feel about that. It's, you know... Information that has always been out there has never quite been the same as it has since it's all been tied together. Like, the act of tying it together changes things so spectacularly.
0: For better and worse.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, it's just a whole new world. And maybe one of the outcomes of this new reality is going to be that we have a much more realistic standard of what we expect from people. So it was always said that if you'd ever smoked pot as a kid, you could never run for president. Well, I think at this stage, you know, we are going to have presidential candidates of which there are photos of their naughty bits from when they were in their 20s. Like, that is going to happen in 30, 40 years' time. When the current generation of Snapchatters grow up to be at the appropriate age to run for president, there will be pictures of their bits floating around the internet because that's what kids get up to. And maybe it's just better for us all to just accept the fact that people make mistakes and do dumb things. Times yeah. change, don't they? <laughs> they do. They do. I seem to have Gears killed that never, conversation with Snapchat and Gaz.
0: Anyway. Gaz yeah. never did anything like that.
1: <laughs> no, well, we didn't grow up now. Like, no, none of us are, are growing Well, we're still growing up because you keep growing up. But, you know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as a mobile phone. Yeah, that's, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And when the internet then, went
0: we, so, okay. squeak,
1: squeak, squeak.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a whole new world. It really is.
1: Okay, um, moving on to story number the fourth. I'm afraid it's a bad news story again. Um, Microsoft have decided that they are going to streamline their phone business. Now, what streamlining means is pulling out of customers' smartphone businesses altogether and focusing on the enterprise and cutting 1,850 jobs. Basically, Windows Phone, no do so good.
3: And did you notice that uh, of the eighteen fifty jobs, thir- up to thirteen hundred and fifty jobs at Microsoft Mobile Oi in Finland, is yep. that the remnants of Nokia?
1: Sadly, yes. Sadly, they are firing the, most of the leftovers of Nokia. Yeah, although I know, Nokia I know
3: themselves, Nokia weren't doing well, but
1: eh. yeah, they weren't. You no, know, they weren't doing particularly well, which is why they were buyable. But I think like Nokia were the only Windows Phone that was catching people's imagination. And since Microsoft have bought them, they seem to have stopped.
3: It just really annoys me when, when big companies, Apple included, come along and buy up something for, you know, for the technology and then just like, close it down. And I, yeah, I guess some of the technology does make its way through, but you, you lose the identity of these companies, and it's kind of sad.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the Lumiere phones, they were the most on fire of all the Windows phones, and they had a good name. And since Microsoft bought them, they haven't.
3: Which is really yeah, sad it's certainly you... the only ones, the only ones I'd ever heard of.
1: Yeah, it's just such a waste. Like, so is 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 it viable to be a business only smartphone?
3: No, it's a short answer to that. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> given, yeah, the that of, given the number of given personal and, um, and um, company provided iPhones and, and uh, Samsung galaxies that I see around, no, N- not a few Windows phone.
2: Uh, Alistair, we're seeing this in. I mean, it's not just the tech business that this is happening. It happens in business full stop, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's you know, even food chains will buy up one another, and or banks. Yeah, you know, I used to bank with a, a local bank here, which I found fantastic. They got bought up by one of the big Australian outfits and then the name just slowly disappeared and now it's just the big Australian outfit.
2: The first, when I moved into this house, the phone company that I moved to was a company called Telecentral and they cabled this area. So I got on cable quite early on. It then moved into a company called NTL, who then moved into a company called Virgin. It's It, it happens all the time. And yep. uh, I mean, you look at VHS at the moment in the UK, sad story over it in the UK at the moment. But, you know, parts of that will transform into another company. It just happens everywhere. And the kids of today will grow up with those names. And then the same will happen in, you know, 20, 30 years time or possibly even less. And, you know, they'll be having the same conversations we're probably having now.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to tell you a very, very quick story. I was dealing with a local bank not long a number of years ago now, I come, at this point, that – uh, were bought out by a larger bank. And of course, they came in and said, oh, we're going to improve service and we're going to be wonderful. And about six months later, I got a, a letter, not an email, but a letter saying, to improve service and and customer convenience, we're going to close our lobbies um, two hours earlier.
1: I hate when they lie like that.
0: And it will not only lie, but it's like, you know, I, I went in and closed my account right away. And they said, you know, well, why are you closing your account? And I said, please, you know, you're treating me as stupid. <laughs> and I don't like that. You know, if you if you need to close to cut expenses, fine. Say that. But don't pretend I'm stupid.
1: <laughs> that, I know. I, I hate that kind of PR BS. Um, yeah. yeah, no, my bank decided that. They would start to charge people for online transactions, but charge people more for in-bank transactions and then close all of the... basically almost like half the amount of actual people in their branches at the same time. So it's like, if you go online, you pay. If you don't go online, you pay more. So You feckers. Anyway, um, that brings us to the end of the big stories for the month. So I just have uh, three more little quick stories to throw in before we wrap up. Um, Apple have done another one of those corporate deals which is probably a big deal if you are in that sort of big business world. So SAP and Apple have struck a deal to bring SAP's HANA software to iOS. I have no idea what that means other than the fact that I know that large enterprises use an awful lot of stuff from SAP.
2: Yes, uh, my company uses SAP and we use HANA and this will be big news for us, I think.
1: So I, I guess this is very much a continuation of the the, the the policy of teaming up with IBM to bring their big software to iOS.
3: Yeah, I, I think this hopefully is a good influence on, on these big companies because I forget who it was who said um, about the whole, um, I think it was the text expander thing where they, you know, switched to, you know, subscription and, you know, added the syncing feature and, and people were saying, oh, that's, you know, clearly aiming at the enterprise market. I think it was John Syracuse who said, oh, well, that's sad because if you aim for enterprise, you're you're aiming away from quality. <laughs> and I, I, I can do nothing but agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment because, you know, I deal with enterprise software five days a week, including parts of SAP. And I've long said that it's, that it's a misunderstanding. SAP is not the name of the product. It's the name of their customers. Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's,
3: it's, I, I invented a term for software like this. People say best of breed. And the other one that, that fits in this category squarely for me is the Oracle database software, which is <laughs> everywhere. It's not best of breed. It's biggest of breed. And Microsoft Windows was another one. Yeah. Everybody buys it because everybody else does, and it's actually not that good. So I'm hopeful that somebody like Apple can come in and sort of have a, a sane influence on, on the, even just the UIs of the software because some of it's pretty bad.
1: Yeah. See, as a user, seeing some of the
3: software close up, I wholeheartedly agree.
1: Yeah, enterprise software to me is a synonym for garbage. You know, yep. person-hostile garbage. Okay, next quick story I have here is um, a little bit more fact-free than I like to do on this show, but unfortunately it involves politics, and therefore it's very difficult to get definitive facts. But apparently, the Burr-Feinstein encryption bill is dead, at least for this Congress. So, of course, it's an election year, so now is not a good time to do controversial stuff, but basically... It seems that the bill is not, going to pre- is not going to progress in the Senate. It's not even going to make it to the House, and it has no chance at all of making it to the President's desk, and if it did, he probably wouldn't sign it anyway. So it, it just appears that the effort has completely stalled. A um, uh, nice description from uh, General Hayden, who is a, a very outspoken critic, actually, of this concept of, of backdooring encryption, and he has said that the ship has dropped anchor and taken down the sail. So this, uh, I think until after the election, this, the, this has been uh, sort of, this is on pause for at least this year anyway, which I guess is good. Gives us a breather. And then I just want to finish up by saying, uh, reminding everyone that at 1 a.m., no, 10 a.m. Pacific time, I need to fix my show notes, uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific time on June the 13th, there will be the Worldwide Developer Conference keynote, which will be delivered by a certain Mr. Tim Cook, and it will apparently be streamed. So we all get to look forward to watching along with that. And I'm sure that will be one of the more important stories
3: in the show next month. It okay, would well, be an epic troll if they did it at 1am.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just sort of thinking, what's that my time? It might work out quite nicely for me. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 10am, which is their traditional time. So that's uh, eight hours after that, so 6pm for me, which is also reasonable, because it means I get to do a full day's work and then come home and watch a keynote with my dinner, which is fine. Okay, panel, thank you very much for giving of your time on a Sunday, well, on Monday for Alistair, but Sunday for the rest of you, so very much appreciated. Um, Gaz, do you want to tell people where you can be found on the internets? Very easy, gazmaz.com,
2: on the Twitters, twitter.com forward slash gazmaz, G-A-Z-M-A-Z, not Z. Um, And actually, if you watch Top Gear, there's a bit of a discussion about Z and Z on that one as well, which is quite interesting. Um, Yes, I podcast with uh, my good friend Guy Searle on a weekly basis, uh, the MyMac podcast. And we are part of the Stoplight uh, Network, so as I believe are you
1: yes indeedy so uh, people will hear you know sort of a little bit from now a little stoplight jingle and then they'll probably hear you and guy be dorky
2: (laughs) oh there's a surprise
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think i may pick the actually dorkiest clip you have in your list of of, um trailery doodads um just because it's fun um alistair would you like to tell people where they can find more of your writings and thinkings and thoughts and so forth
3: Yep, that's very easy. It's dot me. That's also not Z. Uh, that's got links to everything, pretty much, including my Twitter, which I'll also give, which is also ZKARJ.
1: Excellent. And Chuck, do you want to tell people where they can see your 20 kabillion podcasts and things you do?
0: Uh, sure. Uh, MacVoices.com. And you can find me on Twitter. Actually, two places. Um, Chuck Joiner with an I and also at MacVoices. I have I have both. And uh, especially for the tech stuff, it goes out on both. But the one may be easier to find than the other.
1: Excellent. Uh, before I sign out, just to say that if you go to lets-talk.ie, you'll find detailed show notes for this episode with links to all of the stories that informed our discussion. Uh, while you happen to be there looking at all of those very useful and helpful links, you'll notice three large blue buttons in the sidebar under the heading Support the Show. I would very much appreciate it if people would support the show. Um, you can support the show on Patreon. Uh, the way Patreon works is that you effectively become a patron of the show and every time I successfully get one out, an amount of money of your choosing will be donated to the show. So basically you say that it's you know 50 cent per episode, dollar per episode, whatever you feel like. Bear in mind that uh, Let's Talk Apple and Let's Talk Photography share the one Patreon. So there will be exactly two shows every month. So if you would like to give me a dollar a month, pledge 50 cent. If you would like to give me two dollars a month, pledge a dollar, et cetera, et cetera. Just divide by two or multiply by, no, divide by two and hey, presto. Uh, Thank you very much to everyone who is a Patreon patron. Um, You guys make a really big difference for me because at the end of every month I have bills coming in. And then also at the end of every month, I have Patreon uh, donations coming out, and it, it very much helps to pour one into the other. And we are getting close, we haven't quite arrived, yet, but we're getting close to breaking even, which is something I have just sort of had in mind as... Something to achieve because then I can stop worrying about, you know, being able to afford this podcasting gig and it just pays for itself and that takes care of that. And it would be nice to go a little bit over breaking even so that I can do things like replace microphones when they break, etc, etc. So if, if anyone has been on the fence, now is a great time just to jump in because I really would like to get to the stage where this thing breaks even. Um, also there are many ways you can support the show that don't involve any money whatsoever simply tell your friends or you can also uh, go to iTunes and leave us a review that helps a lot even if you say bad things it perversely helps the show but I would nonetheless prefer you said good things and you know put the stars up to five or four or whatever is appropriate okay well that's that's all my bits and bobs so I've been your host Bart Bouchot. so you can find me at bartb.ie and until next month happy computing
0: Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network.
2: Hey Gaz, do you like apples? Yes, I love Coxes because they're hard and juicy. Huh? T- do you mean what I think you mean? Yeah, Coxes pippin apples. They come from Somerset, guy. Everyone knows that. But we're talking about the mymech.com podcast it's been around since 2004 oh i see that type of apple exactly you can find it in itunes talk to us from twitter or facebook or call us on our skype number which is 703-436-9501 there said it before you could